mysterious. And uh, we'll, uh, we're going to look at real, two, two more things in this passage. We got down through the passage. Uh, there's two doctrinal issues that we're going to look at here, one tonight, and then we'll start next week looking at um, the other one. Verse 49, for every one shall be salted with fire and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost his saltiness, we haven't lost, nobody here has lost their saltiness. <laughs> Wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. So we've got the two issues here. And again, it's the whole flow from 831 all the way down through, and we've talked to that. Salt, first of all, you have this issue of the salt in yourself. Now, the salt, verse 49, you're salted with fire, and, and that salt-fire combination, again, that, that is an issue of a purification process that every individual member of the little flock has to go through, okay? Now, if you think about, you got, you, when you think about Israel, where we're at in Mark 9 and what, what the Lord's doing here, you can't think like a Gentile would think in the age of grace. Because in Israel's program, they are literally, when, when, they, when they are born, they are born sons of Abraham. So physically, by covenant relation, they're born into the covenant relationship physically okay but spiritually what do they need to be born again so there's there's the justification process so when you begin to think about this by the way that's why matthew 121 when the lord was says about the lord he came into the world to save his people matthew 121 you looked at me funny matthew 121 and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. They were already his people. How? By the covenant relationship, but by birth. That's the issue. So Israel's got this physical connection, but they also need to be born again. Not of the physical, but of the spirit. John 3, the issue of being born again. And that they need that spiritual birth to go along with their physical birth. And that's what the Lord's get, getting at here is, hey, look, I'm going to provide, i.e., I'm going to the cross to die. I'm providing you the spiritual birth, the avenue to being born again, the life that's going to come this way. The individual, by faith, has to do what? Get out of that untoward generation, get into the little flock. There's that activity of, I want the spiritual birth. I've got the physical birth, but now I need the spiritual birth. So you've got these really these two things going on here. And he, again, the Lord is introducing the spiritual aspect here because by talking about going and dying at Calvary. And again, the <laughs> You can't think like we think about justification first and then getting in and so forth. You know, you, you trust, then you're sealed, and you're in. Israel, they're born into it already. Now, but they're born a sinner, obviously. They're still kin to Adam. So what do they need? 
They need the spiritual component taken care of as well. And where does that rest? By faith in, in this case here in Mark 9, where they're at, in the, uh, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we, it starts, verse 50 here, have salt in yourselves. It starts with the individual, okay? Uh, come over to Acts chapter 2. Notice, notice, this, it, notice this carefully here in Acts 2. The salt and fire combo. Acts 2, you've got verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, watch now, like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, the individual. But you've got this fire thing, and there is a purification process that the Holy Spirit's presence is going to bring into that, their life, the life of the little flock. So the Holy Spirit's going to give them the capacity to keep the law and to and that individual justification process that then they can go over there and do the fruits of righteousness, the fruits that that righteous nation is going to produce, and in we go. So when you come back to Mark 9, you've got the, the second thing then, and have peace one with another, there's the corporate of it. So we've got an individual purification, and then we've got the corporate issue of the nation as a whole. By the way, they're... They're going to, every, the end of verse 49, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. We looked last time there at Leviticus 2 and Numbers 18, that issue of salt and the offering. Again, he's talking about the, the, the um, uh, pronouncement of that covenant, what's called the covenant of salt. And you're going to put this and you're going to do that as you're doing those offerings, that covenant relation. So the nation has this covenant relationship and the individuals that are to be a part of that nation, they have to come in on board by faith. And it is the Spirit of God that's going to produce the life in the individual believer, we would say, and produce that purification then of the nation itself. You follow that? So when you think about Israel... You can't whittle it down into how he works today. you got to leave them in their lane, as they like to say. So when you come back to Mark 9, there's two issues here in the, the, the passage. Mark 9, if, if the one we're going to look at tonight, if you look there at the end of verse 43, uh, cut off your two, uh, then having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Verse 45, again, having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. 40, 47, enter into the kingdom of God with one eye, then having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. So there's two issues here that we're going to look at. One is the issue of that hell, hell fire. And then the other is that issue of the kingdom of God. Now tonight, hopefully, we'll hammer out the hell fire part, 
And then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to deal with the kingdom of God. Because when you talk about the kingdom of God, in Israel's program, we're talking about something spiff, spiffy, specific. And then in Paul, you're talking about something specific. But then Paul talks about a broad term. So you've got you to kind of bounce your head. Remember what the three keys to Bible study is? Context, context, context. And that's where we have to be. So when we talk here about hell, he's not talking about Hades. He's talking about the Greek word is Gehenna. Now, you go to the books, and Gehenna is said to be the garbage dump. Well, it is, but it's not like where you're going to throw all your scraps in, you know. Uh, Emily moved home, and she had a very old dresser, and in the process of the move, I broke it. So guess where it went? To the dump. He's not talking about that. Come back with me to 1 Kings 11. He's talking about something, he's talking about spiritual, a spiritual purification issue. In 1 Kings 11, you have King Solomon. Verse 1, but King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughters of Pharaoh, the women of Moabites and the Ammonites and the Edomites and the Zidonians and the Hittites. All those are bad people. He's not supposed to be mingling with them. Drop down to verse 7. Then did Solomon build a high place for Shamash, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. So what Solomon does is he go, he's going to go out into the valley of Topet, and he's literally built a, sacrifice, a, a place of an altar to Moloch. Come over to 2 Kings 23. Now, you have to remember, when you study Kings and Solomon, or I'm sorry, Samuel, you are getting the history, 2 Kings 23, if I didn't tell you that. You are getting the history of all of this from man's viewpoint. The Chronicles give you the same history, but from God's viewpoint. That's why in Chronicles, King Saul is a beast. And yet, in King and Samuel, he's the greatest guy since sliced bread. God's estimation, he's a beast, and he dies like a beast. But in man's estimation, Israel's history, he was a great king. In reality, he was a louse of a king. Okay? So you've got to remember that. So 2 Kings 23, Josiah is now king. Okay? And Josiah is going to, he came in and he destroyed. Now, by the way, what Solomon did, Moloch, is that they were off, they were passing their children through the fire in a dedication to Moloch. Today, in today's religion, it's called baby dedication. Okay, where you take the baby and you go down and you, you, got, grand, you got the godparents standing there. And you got abracadabra, zoom, zing, boom, and a little trinkle, and a little this, and the kids screaming, and you know, and all that stuff. Well, what they were literally doing was passing their kids. They were burning their. They were sacrificing their children, is what they were doing. And if they died, then okay. If they 
then we just dealt with it. Now, Sol uh, Josiah shows up, and he goes into that valley of Tophet, and he destroys everything, okay? 2 Kings 23, um, look, if you will, at verse 4. And the king, this was uh, Josiah, okay? The king commanded Hil Hilgiah, the high priest, and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the hosts of the grove and for all the hosts of heaven. And he burned them without Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried the ashes of them unto Bethel. So what he does is he goes in, he doesn't just tear them down, he burns them but where he's burning them is in the same place Solomon had set up in the sacrifice in the Valley of Tophet, Gehenna. Okay? And what we're seeing here is there, there's literally the garbage dump of that idolatry, idolatrous system that had corrupted Israel. Come down to verse number, uh, well, verse 6. And he brought unto the grove from the house of the Lord without Jerusalem into the brook Kidron and burned it at the brook Kidron and stamped it small to powder and cast the powder thereof upon the graves of the children of the people. What have they been doing? Idolatry and they've been sacrificing their kids. Verse 10, and he defiled Topet, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnon, that no man might make his son or his daughter to pass through the fire to Molech. That started with Solomon, and Josiah comes in and he cleans it out. And that valley of Tophet, the valley of the children of Hinnon, is literally where Gehenna is. And that's what we're talking about in Mark 9. Now, just hang on with me. Verse 13. And the high places that were before Jerusalem which were on the right hand of the Mount of Corruption, that's Mount of Olives, by the way, geography-wise, which Solomon the king of Israel had builded for Ashtaroth, the abomination of the Zidons, and for Kish, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the children of, of Ammon, did the king defile. What's he doing? He's wiping it out. He's cleaning up. Now come on over to Jeremiah chapter 7. And I'm doing this so that when you think about Gehenna, and, you, and everybody says, oh, the garbage dump, Jeremiah 7, the garbage dump, it's, more, it's not where you're going to go dump your black barrel stuff, okay? This is the, literally the garbage heap of the idolatrous system. And it's a place that Josiah has set up that the Lord has acknowledged that was designed for the spiritual purification of the nation of Israel to get rid of all of that vain religious system. Now watch Jeremiah 7 and watch verse 31. Jeremiah 7, 31. And they have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnon, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not neither came it into my heart. And look at what God says. 
I had never even thought about that they would literally go kill their kids. But they did it in idolatry. Verse 32, Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be called Topet, nor the valley of the son of Hinnon, but the valley of slaughter. Ah, now we're into that valley of decision. Now we're in the battle of Armageddon. It's changing. He's taking away the, for they shall bury and tope it till there be no place. Come on over to chapter 19. So when you think about Gehenna, I can see we're not going to get very far with hell, but we'll get there, okay? When you think about Gehenna, it, we're talking about it's the garbage dump of that Baal worship, the idolatry, the whole of it. Jeremiah 19, oh, verse 1, Thus saith the Lord God, Go and get a potter's earthen bottle, and take of the ancients of the people and the ancients of the priests, and go forth into the valley of the son of Hinnon, which is by the entry of the east gate, and proclaim there the words that I shall tell thee. So where is he going? Right over there, verse 5. They have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal, which I commanded not, nor spake it, neither came it into my mind. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that this place shall no more be called Tophet, nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. See, that's that change. If you drop down to verse 11, uh, verse 10, thou shalt, Then shalt thou break the bottle in the sight of the men that go with thee, and shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Even so will I break this people and this city, as one breaketh a potter's vessel that cannot be made whole again, and they shall bury them in Topet, till there be no place to bury. Thus will I do unto this place, saith the Lord, and to the inhabitants thereof, and even make this city as Topet. Now the city he's talking about is Jerusalem. But where is Jerusalem? They're off in idolatry, and he says, you know what? You see what, I, what we're doing out there? I'm going to do the same thing. Now, Jeremiah is a second coming passage, second coming prophet, <laughs> and this is what's going to happen. Now, historically, who showed up and did this? Nebuchadnezzar does historically. He comes in, lays waste to the city of Jerusalem, lays it up, carries them away, okay? Uh, by the way, verse 13, and the houses of Jerusalem and the houses of the king of Judah shall be defiled as the place of Tophet because of all the houses upon whose roofs they have burned incense unto all the hosts of heaven and poured out drink offerings unto other gods. That's Gehenna. There's a specific area outside of Jerusalem. It's in a valley. It's going to be right there. We'll see it here. Uh, come on over. Uh, so uh, you're in Jeremiah. Get, get Jeremiah 66 and go back to Mark 9. Okay? So this is where we're talking about. We're not talking about hell, Hades. We're not talking about Tarsus. That's another Greek word for hell. Okay? We'll talk about them in, in a little bit, hopefully. But what we're talking about is this issue here of this spiritual garbage dump out here 
because it's a spiritual purification of the nation. So in Mark 9, when he says, Into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched, okay? He is, the Lord is quoting Isaiah 66, so go there. And he's quoting it because of where we're at on the timeline. And when you talk about hell, you, it's just like any doctrinal subject, you have to handle it dispensationally. Because how it was handled here isn't so much how it's going to be handled out over here or here today. It doesn't make it not so, okay? I taught that message a couple weeks ago about Jesus not going into the torment site. I've got a lot of emails asking questions about it. So this week, Sunday, we'll finish kind of up that exaltation, kind of where we left off. And then after that, we're going to talk about eternal judgment because i got a lot of questions about it. And it's not on my planner to go over, but we'll spend eight or nine or ten weeks looking at it, okay? Because the, the issue here in Mark 9, we're going to be talking about Eternal judgment, hell, the fire, but then also the kingdom of God, and again, we'll get onto that next week. But Christ is making a pullback here to Isaiah 66. Now, watch where we're at in Isaiah 66, verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. So where are we? Where are we? Well, we're the, he, Isaiah is looking future, future of us actually. And what does he say? The Lord's come back. He's established the kingdom. The great white throne judgment's happened. Everything's done. And we're into the new heaven and the new earth, aren't we? What's going to happen in the new heaven and in the new earth? Verse 23, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me saith the Lord all the flesh you go over and you look in, in Zechariah uh, 14 and you know what you see you see that uh, <clears throat> it's all connected with them coming and worshiping uh, the feast of the of tabernacles that's the word I was looking for <laughs> And all of the nations on the earth, what are they going to do? They're going to come up. They're going to worship the Lord Jesus Christ as the king. Now watch verse 24. And they shall go forth. So what have they been? They've been up here worshiping. Now they're leaving. And look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be a whoring unto all flesh. Now think about that. In the new heaven and the new earth, the, the inhabitants of the earth are going to go and they're going to worship. And then on their way out, they're going to pass by this. This is Gehenna, by the way. They're going to come out and they're going to go into the, they're going to go right in through that valley. And it's on the east side of town. By the way, you know what's on the west side of town? In the Euphrates River, they're going to have a, a zoo of all the demonic animal creatures on display to, again, remind everybody of what rebellion gets you. What does sin get you? It gets you this, so knock it off. But what's happening here? What's taking place in the valley is this. 
the Valley of Topet, the Valley of the Slaughter, all that name changing and everything. All, and, and so in the kingdom, there's going to be a place where people can come and look at these folks that are in hell. And they can see what idolatry leads to. They see what rebellion leads to. And again, he's talking about eternal judgment here. And there's great consternation about eternal judgment. And there really doesn't need to be when you just deal with the doctrine straight up. Come back, come over with me to Revelation 14. Revelation 14. And again, when you deal with really the study of any doctrine, you have to study it dispensationally. Because in God's dealing with man, like this here, look at Revelation 14. Look at verse 9. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up for how long? Forever. That means forever and ever. They have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. So there's going to be people who are going to take the mark of the beast. What is their fallout? It isn't to one day get saved. It's to beware. In torment, in hell, forever. You see, that, so the universalism idea, that just shoots it down because there's no hope for these people. Otherwise, you know what they would say? Well, verse 12 would say, here's the patience of them that wait all this out and, and everything's good to go. It doesn't say that. It says, here are the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. You see, it doesn't say, ah, just wait, everything's going to work out in the end. No, there's no... <laughs> Yeah, there's no maybe. Exactly. So what, but notice what you have here. You have this, this group of people. They are in the presence of the angels. They're in the presence of the Lamb. They have no rest day nor night. So what's there? Day and night. See that? the presence of the Lamb, the presence of the angels. So it's, they're not sent away from God's presence. It's right there. They're being destroyed. They're being tormented in the presence of the Lamb. Now come over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. All right? 2 Thessalonians 1. Now watch this. In verse 8 and verse 9, 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with an everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Wait a minute. Is it, what is it? Paul says, out of, not in the presence of the from the presence of the Lord, and but Revelation says in the presence of the Lord. 
Well, dispensational Bible study says both are true. Because what do we have? We have a timing issue. We have, dispensational Bible study is just putting the events on a timeline. That's all that we're doing here. So it's both. They will be destroyed. They will be in the presence of the Lord, of the Lamb, and they will be destroyed from the presence of... They're gonna, it's going to be both. All right? Now, go get Psalms, and let's watch some of this. Psalms chapter 9. You see, if you don't dispensationally Bible study Psalms 9, you, can, you will break your neck on some of the, spiritually speaking, your spiritual neck, okay? Because what do you have? You have two verses that contradict each other. But both are correct because it's the Word of God. But both are correct because we're going to put them where they belong. Follow? All right, so hang on. Here we go. Psalms 9. In time past, where do the dead go? What happens to their soul? Their body is... Put in the grave, back to the dust. Job's, Job, over there, Job 19, he says, Worms are going to eat my flesh, my body. But in my flesh, I will see my Savior. So what did he know? He believed in resurrection. Okay? Look at Psalms 9, verse 17. 917. The wicked shall be turned into where? Hell. And all the nations that forget God. So think about this in time past. And we looked a little bit of this last week. When you take the earth, the crust of the earth, and you got a guy and you got a guy, so we're going to call it lost and believer. We're talking about time past. Where does that verse say the lost just goes, where did the lost soul go to? He went to hell. All right? Hell. He's deposited into hell. Now come on over to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. Now I'll do this tonight, and then when we study this in a couple weeks, I'll forget and not even do all this. So you're getting a preview to future studies, but you might not see this again. Psalm 16. By the way, Psalm 16 is a Mitchum of David. Mitchum is a doctrinal treatise here that's been given by King David. This is doctrinal. I know what the, it, you know, Schofield, a prayer or meditation. No, it's not. It's doctrine. Psalm 16, watch verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. So where did David say he went? He went to hell. That's where he went. How can that be? How can the lost be in hell? And how can the saved be in hell? By the way, come over to chapter 55. Psalms 55. You see, if you don't pay attention and you don't study this out, you can real quickly get confused. Where is hell? That's another one. Where do the lost, where do the, so when you die, now you and I today, 2 Corinthians 5, absent from the body, where does your body go? Into the ground, into the grave, is to be present with the Lord. 
So where do you go, believer? You go to heaven, you go to the Lord. The unbeliever, body goes in the ground, and he goes to hell. That's in the but now. But in time past, they both went there, didn't they? So then the question gets as well, okay, where is hell? Well, look at Psalms 55, and look at verse 15. Let death seize upon them, and let them go down quick into hell. For wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Go down quick. Okay? So where is hell? It's down. Wherever your feet are, you know, so if you're on the other side of this planet, which is roughly probably the Pacific Ocean, but China, where are they going? Down. Where are you going? Down. Or what? Well, we're going up. As you in a generic form, okay? All right, come over to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. And just, it's fascinating how people are lax in studying this out. And they're lax in studying it dispensationally. So, hell is down. That's where it is. It's Proverbs 15, verse 24. The way of life is above to the wise, that he may depart from hell beneath. Again, beneath your feet. Come over to chapter 23, Proverbs 23. So hell in scripture is going to be a place of the departed dead. That's what we're talking about. Psalms are Proverbs 23, verse 14. Or verse 13, withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Now, we know that it, <laughs> the, the ver, you know, people use this verse to say, well, hell's the grave. It's not the grave, okay? Because we know that if we beat him with the rod, he shall not what? die. That's what the verse just said. So we're not talking about dying and going to the grave. We're talking about this issue of saving this kid from heartache, okay, and so forth. But again, where is it? It's down. We'll see here. Uh, come over to Luke 16. i got to move along. We'll see here in a minute that it's in the heart of the earth, but we'll get there in just a second. Luke 16. Okay, so hell and time past both the lost and the believer go to hell. Luke 16, the Lord peels back the crust of the earth and gives you a look into the spiritual realm of hell and with rich man and Lazarus. Verse 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. Now it's interesting that Lazarus is carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. You'll notice that it doesn't say he's buried. Look at, the la look at what they... And, the, and uh, the rich man also died and was buried. No, it's, it's interesting how it doesn't say Lazarus was, we assume he was, probably in a pauper's field, okay? 
but it doesn't say that, but it says what? The rich man dies, and he gets buried, and he ends up in the torment side. Okay? So we're going to have verse 23, And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool his tongue, my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Now, notice what's happening here, okay? He's in torments. He's in a physical discomfort, okay? I'm tormented in the flame where the fire is not quenched and their worm dieth not, okay? Now, watch verse 25. But Abraham said, Son, what? Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus the evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. So just the torment side, now we have an issue of remember. Could you imagine remembering for eternity all of the opportunities that you had to hear the gospel, trust the gospel, and do what God has for you to do. There's a physical, by the way, you'll notice the soul has a bodily structure to it. It's got eyes. It's got a tongue. He sees. It's got a finger. He's got a tongue. He can hear Abraham speak. He can speak. There's mental capacity. Remember. There's a, an emotional discomfort. He didn't take the opportunity. Romans 2, verse number 4 talks about the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. He didn't take that opportunity. See, it's, it's fascinating. Now, now, think about Lazarus. He's in Abraham's bosom. Verse 25, or verse 25, the end of it says he's now comforted. Okay? So there's comfort for Lazarus. There's torment on the lost side. So you got these two compartments. Verse 26. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So now we have a gulf in between them. That said, and he goes on to say, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. So that crazy idea about Christ dying up here, which really when you study it out, I didn't say this the other day, it, it, it's, it comes from witchcraft, and it says that when Christ died, he came here to the torment side, and then went over here to the comfort side, to the paradise side, uh, it's also called paradise, okay, and then he re resurrected, it's, it comes from pagan witchcraft is where that idea comes from, it gets it has gotten sucked into even some gray circles about it. And it's just like, no, that's not what he did. Why? Because there's a gulf here that you can't cross. Now, either the Word of God is right or it's a lie, and then we always just say, amen, good night, and let's go home, okay? And go eat, drink, and be merry for who cares what tomorrow is going to bring. But what happens here, you have this issue going on here of, of what hell looks like. All right. Now, 
Come back with me to Psalms 63. <clears throat> Just, yeah, Psalm 63. And I didn't develop this aspect out the other day, but we will in the future. Psalm 63. Just notice something here. Psalm 63, verse 8. My soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me, but those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. Now, we, were t we talked about the lower parts, okay, last uh, when we were talking about the descending and everything in, in Ephesians 4. So we got a lower part. Now, come over to Psalms 86. Psalms 86. Psalms 86 and verse 13. Psalms 86, 13. For great is thy mercy towards me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. So there are um, levels of hell, okay? There's different levels of hell. Now, real quick, run over to 2 Peter 2, just so we have this in our understanding. 2 Peter 2, verse number 4. In 2 Peter 2, 4, the Greek word here for hell is the word Tartarus, all right? And Tartarus, verse 4, for if God spared not the angels that sin, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, that issue of Tartarus here is a special holding place for the angels. Remember Satan, he gets cast into the bottomless pit. This is where this is at, okay? So you've got these, come over to Matthew, get Matthew 12 and get Luke 23. Matthew 12 and Luke 23, all right? And Matthew 12 and then Luke 23. We'll go to Luke 23 first, okay? So you get a picture, hopefully here, of what hell's looking like. When Jesus Christ died, he doesn't go into the torment side. He comes right over here to the paradise side. Luke 12, I'm sorry, Luke 23 so, and by the way, how do you know that? Well, there's a gulf, Luke 16, <laughs> that he can't cross. So if he went here, Satan won, and we believe in a dead God. He, didn't, he goes here. Okay? One, the gulf, all right? Two, the passage in 1 Peter 3 that they like to use about the, the great descent there. And, and, and how he preached to the spirits in prison has nothing to do with Calvary. It has to do with back in the days of Noah. Okay? But the gulf is here. But also, look at what he does in Luke 23. In Luke 23, 42, we have the malefactors, the thief on the cross. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy, what? You see how he's looking for the kingdom. Evidently, he's a kingdom saint. He's a king. Now, He's done wickedly. He broke the law. He's, he's paying that price. But what is he? He's a believer. Because he, he recognizes Christ as who he is. By the way, he doesn't get off the tree and get baptized. So what does Jesus say? Verse 43. And Jesus said unto him, Well, you don't have to wait for the kingdom. Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me. Where? So now it's called paradise. So the thief on the cross came here, 
The Lord Jesus Christ comes to that side of the equation. Okay? Matthew 12. Matthew 12 and verse 40. Matthew 12 and verse 40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the what? Heart of the earth. That's where we're at. Okay? So when we're talking about hell and paradise... In time past, which is here, lost side believers, lost little flock, believing remnant, Old Testament saints, believers, okay? That's where they're at. Now, get two passages, get 2 Corinthians 12 and get Hebrews 12. Because where is paradise today? Well, it's moved. Look at 2 Corinthians 12 and get Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 2 Corinthians 12. The Apostle Paul, verse 1, 2 Corinthians 12, 1, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. For, for uh, such a one caught up to the third heaven. So where are we headed? Third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise. So the Apostle Paul says that the third heaven and para paradise... Whoops. I'm running out of chalk is all up there now. Okay? Now come to Hebrews 12. The writer of Hebrews confirms this. Hebrews 12. Look, if you will, at verse 18, just to so you get the feel here. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burneth with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. Where are they not going to go? Mount Zion. They're not going there. You're not going back to Moses. That's Exodus 19. You don't go back there. Where are we going? Verse 22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Well, where are these people? You don't go back to Moses. We're going to the Messiah. And where is the Messiah? He's in New Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem. And where are the spirits of just men made perfect? That's not a reference to you and I. That's a reference to these people. And where are they? They're in the heavenly Jerusalem, New Jerusalem. That's where they're at. They're in the third heaven. So somewhere from resurrection to Acts 14, where Paul is caught up into the third heaven, paradise leaves. What's going on down here? Isaiah says that hell enlarged herself. So now down here... Hell takes over the vacated area, the gulf is gone, and it's all lost people. Okay? Whew. We ain't done yet. That's where they're at. They're in the third heaven. Come back with me. Get, get 
Deuteronomy 32 and get Isaiah 30. So let's bring this into where we're at in Mark 9. Okay? So Deuteronomy 32, Isaiah 30. So think about this. Starting all the way back from Adam, all the believers, they're deposited in the new. All the lost are in the holding tank of hell. And hell, if you think about the jail system, hell is the holding tank. It isn't purgatory. They're not having a good time. And they're not trying to pray their way out of hell. And they're not trying to hope you give enough money to the church. If you do, make the deposit in Rick Jordan's name, okay? Make the check out. I'll pray them long time, pray out of hell, all right? That's a joke. You don't need to email me. It's just sarcasm, okay? But what happens is, is when you go before the judge, the jury, and you are found guilty, but sentencing is over here. Here, you go to county jail. In, in Maricopa, you go to county jail, and you wear a pretty little uniform that says unsentence on the back. It's, that's what it says, un, unsentenced. And you go and you live in this specific area. But there's some guys that got sentence written on their back, and they stay over here. Or your crime might be big enough that they send you to Florence, to the big house. But the sentencing is done over here. Now think about the dispensational timeline about what's going to happen. The Lord's resurrected, right? We have the Acts period. Just put Acts up here. We have the interruption with the dispensation of grace. We have the rapture out, right? What do we have? 70th week. Then we have the kingdom. Then we have the great white throne judgment, don't we? That's the sentencing phase. They are already guilty. John 3, they're already condemned. What are they waiting for? The sentence, and the sentence is the lake of... Boy, i got to get some new chalk. Mm. <laughs> is, is the lake of fire. Where death and hell and the sea are deposited into it. Are you with me? you got Deuteronomy 32, right? Finally. Now, here's where we are in Mark 9. Make the connection here, okay? Because Jesus Christ and the apostles are on their way to the kingdom. He just showed them, Mark 9, Mount Transfiguration. Gave them a glimpse, but he only did it to the, to the three. Now he's got them all, and where are they going? We're going to that. But first, where do we have to go? Cross. Okay? He's telling them about Gehenna and that valley out there. Yeah, don't, don't, it doesn't fit in between any of this, but that's where he's talking about, okay? Actually, if it would be anywhere, it would be here. Because it's a part of his second coming. Okay, kind of jumping ahead a little bit, all right? Is where it is. So, not here. 
I know the email. Your timeline's wrong. Well, no kidding. Duh. You know, they don't cut the preacher any slack. These heretics don't. It's unreal. Deuteronomy 32. This is where we're at. Verse 20. Deuteronomy 32, the song of Moses here, verse 20. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. Acts 2, what does Peter tell them? Get out of that untoward generation. That's where we're at. Okay? They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities. And I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. There's a little flock. Paul calls them that in Romans 10. Here it is. Now, verse 22. For a fire is kindled in mine anger and shall burn into the lowest hell. There it is. There's Gehenna. He's gonna, it's going to burn down into the lowest hell out here in his second coming. Here's his second coming, 70th week. Here he comes back. Here's the kingdom. Okay? What's he going to do? He's going to burn a shaft down into the lowest hell. Keep reading. And shall consume the earth with her incense and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. That's pretty, that's deep. When you think about the foundations of the mountains, that's down there. Come over to Nahum. Hold on to Isaiah. Nahum chapter 1. Nahum 1. Nahum 1 verse 3. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. He ain't going to let them off. They, people think they go, oh, you're going to get it free. No, you're not. The, set, the thousand year, that introduction to the millennial kingdom is set there so that they know that the devil didn't make me do it. It's sin that makes, it's your flesh that makes you mess up. Now, why, Nahum 1.3, the Lord hath, hath his way into the world, uh, hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and in the clouds or the dust of his feet. He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry and drieth up all the rivers. Bashan languish and Carmel and the flower of Lebanon languish. The mountains quake at him and the hills melt and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell in them. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. He's going to burn up people, and he's burning up the earth. He's redoing it. He's, he's, he brings, he, anywhere there was idolatry, he's wiping it out. Whether it's in the valley of slaughter, the valley of Topet, or whether it's over here, he's just, what's he doing? Just whoop, scoping it. Now, Isaiah 30. We got to get going. Isaiah 30. Well, I don't know where you got to go. I, I don't have anything to do tomorrow. No, I'm just kidding. I do. I got a lot to do tomorrow. Isaiah 30. Ah, you, you're okay. You don't, no worries. Isaiah 30. 
Isaiah 30 is, again, uh, directed at Israel. This is a precursor. This is information given by Isaiah to the nation of Israel. That's end is Isaiah 66, 24. Okay? So, Isaiah 66, how did we get to Isaiah 66, 24? Where that shaft's open and you can go out, there's a memorial. We have it. We understand what a memorial is. We got a bunch of them downtown that memorializes, you know, uh, Pearl Harbor and all that. We got it. So what's going to happen? Man's going to come. How did we get there? Well, Isaiah 30, here we are. And verse number 27. Isaiah 30, 27. Behold, the name of the Lord cometh from afar, burning with his anger. And the burden thereof is heavy. His lips are full of indignation and his tongue as a devouring what? Fire. Literal, literal fire. I, I, I'm sorry. I take this as literal. This is what's, you know, coming out of his mouth. Puff the magic dragon without all the other stuff. Here it comes. And his breath as an overflowing stream shall reach to the midst of the neck to, to sift the nations from the from the Sive of vanity, and there shall be a bridle in the jaws of the people, causing them to err. There's the Antichrist. What's he doing? He's leading them around. Okay? Ye shall have a song as in the night when a holy solemnity is kept, and the gladness of heart as when one goeth with a pipe to come into the mountain of the Lord to the mighty one of Israel. And the Lord shall cause his glorious voice to be heard and shall show the lightning down of his arm with the indignation of his anger and with the flame of a devouring fire with scattering and tempest and hailstones. Man, there's the second, we're talking about the second coming. And we're talking about, he's coming down there like a blowtorch. He's going to defeat the Antichrist, verse 31. For through the voice of the Lord shall the Assyrian be beaten down, which smote with a rod. Job over there, Job 40, Job 41. They, the Lord looks at Job and he says, listen, you will not be able to defeat the, the behemoth, the Antichrist. You won't be able to defeat him. Only the word of the one that made him can do it. Well, who made him? God did. He's a rod of my indignation. I'm using him to purge the nation out, the nation of Israel. Get the dross out, get the, get the rebel out. So who's going to defeat him? Well, Isaiah 30, 30 here just says the Lord's going to do it. By the way, what's, what's man going to try and do? Puff their little chest up and go do it, and it ain't going to happen. Now keep reading, verse 32. And in every place where the ground staff shall pass, which the Lord shall lay upon him. It shall be with tabrets and harps, and in battles of shaking will he fight with it. For Tophet is ordained of old. There we are. Yea, for the king it is prepared. The king, the Antichrist. Tophet, this valley out here, Gehenna, valley of slaughter, valley of Tophet, valley of the son of Hen. It was, it's been prepared all along for who? For the destruction of the Antichrist. There's the Valley of Decision. There's where the Battle of Armageddon is going to take place. He, 
man, I just, I tell you what, you got to have your geography. Here's the Mediterranean Sea. Here's the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River, the Dead Sea. Jerusalem sits about there, okay? This valley is outside. When the Lord comes out of the north in his return, he's like a blowtorch. That's what we're reading. And he's just, Bozra and Idumea, he's scorching that. He comes down, comes down in the king's highway, crosses over. He, that's Jerusalem. He, sets, he liberates Jerusalem. The Antichrist leaves and goes up here into Damascus, the headquarters. The Lord calls him out to this battle area. And there's the battle of Armageddon. And it just, he just scorches them. Verse 33, for the king it is prepared, he hath made it deep and large. The pile thereof is fire and much wood. The breath of the Lord, like a stream of brimstone, doth kindle it. There's the fire that never is quenched. Come over to Isaiah 34. So this stuff is real. It's literal. But what we're talking about is right here. Oh, my goodness. Where are we? It's <laughs> where we're at in Mark 9. What's he doing? He's getting them ready for this. He says, listen, guys, take us out of there, okay? He says, listen, I'm going to go die. I'm leaving. And after that, we're gonna, you're going to come into some tribulation. You're going to have to bear my cross. You're going to have to take on my rejection. But don't forget, I got a plan. Isaiah 34, 1 Come near, ye nations, to hear. I love that. And hearken, ye people. Let the earth hear, and all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth of it. You know what? Everybody's going to hear this. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. By the way, notice where the war is. It's in the armies of the nations. So the, na the adversary calls, the Antichrist calls all the nations to be represented on the battlefield by their armies, their standards, their banners. Because so the U.S. sends off their team, but who's back here in the U.S.? Well, everybody left at home. He's not, he's not going to eat them up. He's dealing right here. The intensity is here. Now, if he wipes out the 5th Battalion of the Mechanism Degree Army or whatever, who's, is, is home going to feel that? Oh, sure. You know, throw another memorial up. Here we go, right? Well, it isn't that they don't, aren't impacted. They're just not the focus of his wrath he verse 2 he has utterly destroyed them he hath delivered them to the slaughter their slain also be cast out their stink shall come up out of their carcass and the mountains shall be melted with their blood look at that he's just gonna wipe them out he's gonna destroy all that have come up against Jerusalem verse 4 and all the host of heaven shall be dissolved and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll and all their hosts shall fall down Revelation 12 as the leaf falleth off from the vine, and off, as, as a falling fig from the fig tree, my sword shall be bathed in heaven. There's Revelation 12, that war in heaven. He clears all that out. 
And behold, it shall come down upon Idumea and upon the people of my curse to judgment. The sword of the Lord is filled with, with blood. It is made fat with fatness and with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidney of rams. For the Lord hath a sacrifice in Bozrah and a great slaughter in the land of Idumea. And the unicorn shall come. And off you go. Verse 9. And the stream, verse 8, for it is the day of the Lord's vengeance and the year of recompense for the controversy of Zion, and the streams thereof shall be burnt, turned into pitch, and the dust thereof into brimstone, and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. It shall not be quenched night nor day. And there's Revelation 14. Remember, that's where we started. So what do we have here? We've got the day of the Lord. We've got Bozrah and Idumea down here. And that monument out there, outside of Egypt, Isaiah 66, and that looked down into Gehenna. The garbage dump of the universe, the spiritual purification of Israel has been accomplished. And off you go. Literally, in his coming back, he's burning that shaft down. He's burning that opening. There's three openings to hell in Scripture. One in Exodus where the crossing of the Red Sea happens. This one, and then the one over in the Euphrates River, which is over here, that zoo. If I call it a zoo. Okay? So you've got it covered. Here we are. Now, where we're at... In Mark 9 is he's getting them ready for that 70th week of Daniel his return and the and then in his return okay that opening shaft up down there and he says listen it's better to go into the kingdom half a guy than it is to end up in that so we'll talk about the kingdom of God next time okay Actually, it's going to take a couple of weeks. But the thing is, is it's better to it's it's better to lose a hand, to lose an eye, to lose a leg, to lose than it is to go into hell whole bodied up. And that's the that's the judgment part of it. Okay, don't go into there. Now, by the way, wow, man, over here in the kingdom. There is instant judgment, okay? And that is because the king of righteousness sits on the throne. Now think about the thousand years, okay? In the thousand years, you know, children die at 100 and stuff like that. There's, people die, don't die, they do, you know, all this stuff going on, okay? But yet at the same time, at the end, when Satan's loosed, the enemies of God are there, aren't they? Now think about this. If, you, if the speed limit says 55, and the moment you hit 56, you're instantly cast into, the, into hell, how fast are you going to drive? I'm going to go 45, just in case the tires are off. And, right? So... These guys are going to, they're going to fall in line and obey so they don't get cast off, but they're not believing the message of Israel, see? 
what do they see? They see instant, ex, ex, they see Ezekiel 8, 11, the sentence executed quickly. They see that. So what do they do? They get in line. And, because, and how you know that is because when Satan's loosed, what does he do? He deceives the nations. Well, if they're believing the Messiah, they're believing the little, they're believing Matthew 28, then they would not be deceived by the adversary. So evidently, they don't, but it's instant judgment. By the way, the law, the, we tend to think about the law in a grace manner, but the law is inflexible. Oh, just deal with them in grace. No, he's dealing with them according to the law. The law is that inflexible standard of righteousness. The law says, thou shalt not do, and if you do it, this is the consequence. So the moment you do it, you've got the righteous king on the throne. The moment you do it, what's going to happen to you? You're done. There is no, well, we're going to give you four appeals and five maybes. No, it is guilty. Why? We think about, well... God's gracious, and he's going to do this, and he's going to do that. No, the law is not that way. It's inflexible. It's not bendable. It's here you are. And I'll be honest with you, we, 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 tend, to believe, we tend to think of Ecclesiastes 8.11, that sentence isn't executed. Eh, God will just be, be a loving God. Well, you know, a loving God doesn't let you off the hook, okay? It, the love of God never leaves you. Never, you can never outrun it. It'll never disappoint you, but it will also not let you off the hook. It holds you accountable, exactly. So when you think about this stuff, and again, we're, we'll talk more about it as we go through, that's, what, that's where we're at in Mark 9. That's why Mark 9, he brings up, Rather go into hell half a man than to where the fire where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And again, that worm is that degenerative nature of the soul of a man. The body, the lost. The body goes in the grave, the spirit goes back to God. Okay? Their soul comes to here. Now, for you and I, we're absent from the body. So our body gets planted here, and our spirit and soul go to, into the presence of the Lord. Well, okay? Out here, same. Out here is just like back here, except paradise is up, and they go that, the other direction. Okay? Mark 9 is right there. Now, we'll get in Mark 9, we'll get that issue about entering into life, entering into life, and then entering into the kingdom of God. And we'll look at that, because that's the second major... So, the major doctrine is that flow of thought from 831 in and what's happening. But then you've got these sub-major doctrines, if you will, of about hell and then the kingdom of God. And usually what happens is everybody focuses in on hell, they miss the kingdom of God, and then they miss the completely the flow of thought. And I want you to get the flow of thought, which I think you got, and this issue about hell, okay? And then we'll talk about the kingdom and so forth.
Just don't miss where we're And Mark 9, where we're at, is he's getting them ready. He quotes Isaiah 66. But Isaiah 30 and Isaiah 34 set up 66. This is what's coming. Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the evening. We thank you for your word, for the look into everything, for all that we have in you, in your son. We just thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.